postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Hello, hello, Mighty Parent or Parent-to-be. Welcome to Birthful. I'm Adriana Lozada, and as we approach the end of our Birth Beyond the Clinical Experience series, I wanted to make sure we talked about how your baby helps during the birth. And this is incredibly important because they are as much of a participant in the process as you are. It's really a 50-50 partnership. And no matter how much you've prepared or what you've planned for your labor, if your baby has other plans, then they end up deciding the path that you have to take. However, knowing the sequence of movements that your baby goes through during labor to help the birth process can give you more insights into how you can support both their physiology and your own. And that's a bit of what I wanted to get into during this short but powerful episode, which is a format that we do from time to time where it's just me on my own diving deeper into topics that I find really fascinating and feel like you need to know about them. So yes, you heard me right. Your baby helps during the birthing process because they have to figure out how to wiggle and get through the tight squeeze that is the birth canal. And truthfully, it's a constant physical conversation that happens between their body and your body, your uterus, to figure out what positions they have to get into and how to best navigate all of that. We know that they have a biological mandate to be born, like Wapio says, so there's got to be a lot of elements coming together to make sure that birth works and so, for example, pelvic shapes may vary or the state of your tissues might be different. You might have tighter perineum or ligaments that 
are tighter in the back, or maybe even positional habits of crossing your legs. That's going to create a space for a baby that's very specific. And all of that will influence how baby starts out during labor and then what they need to do in order to get out. However, in essence, the journey is kind of the same for all babies. It involves getting into the pelvis, working their way down, and then navigating the curve created between the tailbone and the pubic bone so that then they can make their grand exit. Now, it is important to note that the more aligned and balanced and supple your tissues and bones are, the easier the conversation between your baby and your body. If they find that there's a lot of tension one side and they want to go to that side, it's going to be harder for them. So the better balance your tissues can be, the better the space available for your baby to get into an optimal position. And if they are in an optimal position, then the labor will then flow easier as well. So in terms of that initial position, you can have a baby that's head down, a baby that is head up, so in a breech position, or even a baby that's kind of sideways, although that sideways gets resolved ideally by 29 weeks. Because the art of vaginal breech deliveries has been dwindling, you usually want a baby that is heads down if you want a vaginal delivery. So then, okay, the head is down. Now we've got to look at the body. You can have a baby that is in an anterior position, which just means that their back is towards your front. Or a baby that is posterior, you might have heard that as a baby that's sunny side up. And in that case, their back is towards your back. In terms of an optimal starting position, we usually think about a baby that is head down with their back towards your front, so in an anterior position, and even anterior left. So with their back towards your left's front side can be easier for the birth to flow. That isn't to mean that if they're on the right side, they can't be born, or if they're posterior, so with their back to your back, they can't be born. It just means that it's going to take a little bit more wiggling and a little bit more time to get into the position that will allow them to come out. And then the third thing that we kind of look at is the angle of the head. Is this a head that is tucked and aligned with the spine? Or is it a head angle that has a little bit more of a tilt, like say with the ear closer to the shoulder, a bit off center, and that is called an asynclitic position. And sometimes if you have a hand under the chin or by the cheek or over the eye near the head, that would then be a compound presentation, which also tends to have an asynclitic position. And having that hand there makes it a little bit harder to navigate the birth canal as well. So then once labor approaches or gets started, some of the very well-known movements that babies make to help be born are what are called the seven cardinal movements of labor. The first one is called engagement, and that happens when your baby drops into the pelvis. And you might see this happen towards the end of your pregnancy. You see the belly like, oh, I dropped. It's also known as lightening, but sometimes it doesn't happen until labor starts. The second cardinal movement is descent, and it's really a continuous occurrence. The baby descends to engage into the pelvis and then keeps descending all the way out. And that descent is usually measured by determining what's called the baby's station, and that 
need to be done with a vaginal exam. But basically, a baby whose head is up high, has not engaged, will have a station of like minus four, minus three, minus two as they make it into the inlet of the pelvis. And then in the mid-pelvis, it's more like a minus one, a zero, a plus one. And then as baby keeps descending, you'll get a plus two, plus three. Head is starting to crown, maybe plus four, baby is out. So if you're having vaginal checks, that station is a really good number to understand where in the canal your baby's head is located. The third cardinal movement is flexion, which just means that the baby's chin is flexed into their chest. And the purpose of this is to have the top of the head, the crown of the head, be the leading part as they go down the birth canal and that has a smaller diameter so really it's about being gentle into showing a smaller part of the head and that flexion is kind of initiated by that conversation with your tissues because as the baby is descending and your tissues are hugging their head the normal movement is to have that chin tuck as their head is enveloped kind of like imagine putting on a turtleneck it's more difficult if you keep your head straight when you're doing a turtleneck you tend to flex as the turtleneck is coming down ah postpartum brain fog did you even know that was a thing but i'm guessing that if you have little ones at home you're probably feeling it along with the increased mental load of trying to be a multitasking caregiver facing the stressful demands of everyday life and that's without even considering the added lack of sleep it's definitely a lot which is why i'm so appreciative of needed's cognitive support supplement created to help support key aspects of cognitive health like focus and attention brain health and memory and even alleviate brain fog and eye fatigue now what makes needed's cognitive support so unique is that unlike many other cognitive support supplements needed's is appropriate to take while breastfeeding in fact it was designed with this in mind but don't just take my word for it in an in-market study 92% of people taking needed's cognitive support saw an improvement in overall cognitive function with 78% seeing an improvement in mental clarity aka brain fog and of these many positive reviews my favorite is one that says quote This is my third postpartum period. This is the best I have felt mentally and physically despite now having 3 kiddos to care for. End quote. Basically, taking needed's cognitive support is an easy way to help reclaim your brain during postpartum. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code birthful for 20% off your first month of needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code birthful for 20% off your first month of needed products. Now usually the top of the pelvis, the inlet tends to have more space side to side and then the outlet, the bottom of the pelvis tends to have more space front to back. And so babies usually as they're getting into engaging into the pelvis, they might be looking towards your hip because their head is sideways and that's independent from the body, right? The body does follow, but their body can still be towards the front with the head to the side. 
because our heads rotate. So they come in looking towards the hip, and then when they get to the mid-pelvis, the fourth cardinal movement is one of internal rotation. They have to rotate the head so that then it's aligned with the pelvic outlet that they are arriving at, which is wider front to back. And ideally, the head is rotating in a way that the back of their head is towards your front. After internal rotation, the next cardinal movement is extension, when babies extend their heads back, again, to navigate that curve between the pubic bone and the tailbone. And that really is when you're like, there's baby, and you're definitely pushing, and you can start seeing some of baby's head coming out, then boom, the head comes out. And then you have external rotation, which is where the baby rotates so that the shoulders can align front to back with that wider outlet. And then they come out. And then the seventh cardinal movement is expulsion, where the rest of the body comes out. So those are the cardinal movements, engagement, descent, flexion, internal rotation, extension, external rotation, and expulsion. But that's not all the ways that babies help to be born. They also have some reflexes that help in the wiggling down and out through the process. And you will see these reflexes once your baby is born because they still have to manifest to provide coordination and later be integrated into great purposeful movements like crawling or walking or skipping. And babies have a bunch of primitive reflexes, but in terms of how they help to be born... There are four that I'm going to mention. One is the asymmetric tonic neck reflex, also known as the fencer. And this is what helps babies corkscrew out of the birth canal. And it basically, when you have their head moved to one side, the leg and the arm on that side extend and the leg and the arm on the other side bend. So they look like a fencer, right? On guard, that kind of position. So that helps them rotate through the pelvis. Another cool reflex that comes into play is the gallant reflex, also known as the truncal incurvation reflex. And that one is basically if you stimulate one side of the baby's spine, their hip and neck flex towards that side. So this gallant reflex really helps, especially at the beginning, to have that chin tuck and have them be curled up in a C position, be really small as they start making their way into the pelvis. Now, another thing you'll see with your baby is if you hold them in the back of the head, they will push back and try to extend the head. And it's more of a reflexive action with any of us. If you push our heads forward and to get it really flexed to the chin, instinctively, we're going to want to move that head back to be better properly aligned. Our heads are not supposed to be flexing towards the chin. So as the baby moves down the canal, it's constantly trying to like, also, move that head back, move that head back. And when it gets to the position where there's the curve between the pubic bone and the tailbone, finally, there's part of that canal that is soft in one end, right? Because pubic bone is hard, tailbone is hard, and they're trying to extend the head back, extend the head back, and suddenly they go past the pubic bone and huh, they can extend the head. And there's another reflex that also comes into play to help with that, which is the Paris reflex. So the vaginal canal is stimulating both sides of the spine. And so they're going to want to extend their head and extend their sacrum, like move their butt out. And this makes them 
form into an S shape, which is really nice because they're further down. They have descended quite a bit into the pelvis and are basically at the outlet. And at this point, a large part of their bodies is out of the uterus. It's A lot of it is in the vagina. So this unfurling of this S shape brings us into pretty much my favorite reflex, which is the stepping reflex. Now, the stepping reflex, you'll see it with your newborn. If you stand them up and something comes into contact with their feet, they're going to push off and bounce. And you can have them like bounce, bounce, bounce on your lap. If you do it more gently, they will simulate walking. So one foot will come up, the other foot will come up, and it'll be more of an asymmetrical movement. But if you do both at the same time, there's this bounce, bounce, bounce that happens. So as they are unfurling themselves out of the uterus into the vagina, and so your uterus has more access to the bottom of their feet and is contracting against the bottom of their feet, they're going to bounce against it, in essence, trying to launch themselves out of your vagina. So while the baby is activating that stepping reflex as your uterus touches the bottom of their feet and they're trying to launch out, your body, if you have been supporting physiology and have immense surges of oxytocin going through your body, you're going to have these really great strong contractions that are helping do the seventh cardinal movement, right? The expulsion of the baby and this is a reflex that your body has, which is the fetal ejection reflex, basically to involuntarily expel your baby out of your body. If you do support the physiology, then you might get a chance to experience that fetal ejection reflex. So then how can you help your baby as they move through the birth canal? Well, first of all, during pregnancy, you can balance your tissues and do a lot of movement. And to start you off, you can listen to the episode that I did with Gail Tully from Spinning Babies on baby's position and labor flow. Now, during the birth, you can mimic what your baby is doing and move, 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 move. Even with an epidural, move as much as you can because that is going to create more space and openings for baby to wiggle. Remember that gravity is your friend, so use upright positions to help baby come down. And then if you do have a vaginal check, ask about more than dilation. What's your baby's station? Where are they at? That will let you know if the baby is coming down. And if not, why not? Ask about your baby's body position. Let curiosity guide the process. And remember, if your baby doesn't start in the best position, then move, move so that you can give them more space to switch into a position that will allow things to flow better. Also remember that your baby's bony plates of the head are not fused so that it can mold and let them go through tighter squeezes and that you have relaxant going through your pelvis so that your pelvis can also create more space if needed. But if you want to create space, you got to move, move, move. You can connect with Birthful on Instagram at Birthful Podcast. And if you really enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about how to best support your physiology during birth, then go to birthfulcourses.com to learn more about my birth and postpartum preparation classes. Another great way you can support the podcast is by trying out any of the wonderful products made by our sponsors, because this is what allows us to continue doing this work. You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also download your free postpartum preparation plan. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plati. 
This episode was produced in part by LWC Studios, Paulina Velasco, Jen Chen, Cedric Wilson, and Kojin Tashiro. Also, a big shout out to perinatal professionals Barbara Harper and Pat Predmore for providing their expertise as I researched this episode. Thank you so very much for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on GoodPod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen. And then come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.